0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we are on to Week 7
1: Matchup Previews. Carson, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I, Was my lead cut into on the predictions? It seems like you're closer than I last remember. I currently have no, 57... I, I got... I'll, I'll say the records real quick. I currently have 57 yeah, correct, 37 incorrect, and Blake has 52 correct, 42 incorrect. We're both well above 500, so that's something. Yeah, so... I I gained one on the Patriots game
0: last week, and I lost one on um, which one was it? Oh, the Jaguars that lost in the mm. last thirty seconds. So yep. I should have I should have closed two games in on you, but alas, one for one. So same as we were last week. Uh, speaking of, let's talk about this week's bye week teams. Yeah, there are some heavy hitters for sure uh, missing this week. The three and three Rams, they're underperforming. The 5-1 Vikings, I would say, overperforming a little bit. Yeah. The 5-1 and one Bills and the 6-0 and o Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah,
1: a lot of big teams. And the reigning Super Bowl champs have the worst record out of the four, which is it's a <laughs> testament for yeah. how good all four of these teams are. I mean, you're missing Cooper Cup. You're missing Justin Jefferson. So probably the first two wide receivers off the board for you. Stephon Diggs, another elite wide receiver. And then the Eagles... I mean, you're missing A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, quite a few people there, too, because they've been doing well, of course, so they've had some good fantasy production. And I didn't even mention Delvin Cook. I mean, there's a lot of good players that you're missing out of these four teams. A hundred percent. Yeah, a lot of good players. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, so many, so many. (laughs) So I'm just going to (laughs) – I wrote this down, and I saw this as a tweet, actually twice, so I feel like it's got to be true because I saw it more than just once. But so far this season, fantasy football scores are down 22%. Compared to last season, and I f- I feel it. I feel like I feel it. I don't know. You look at like some of the scores in our best ball league, and it's like, uh, eh, people aren't really missing many points. Out yeah, there. but we we um, have we haven't done best ball before. We don't even know if this is the full extent of how crazy it can be. But I I know what you're saying. But yeah, I I don't know. I feel like in our main league, I'm hitting like 120 consistently, and I'm like near the top of the mm-hmm. league with that, and that's surprising to me. So. Yeah, well I don't know. We'll see. You and I
0: go head to head and in our best ball league and oh, wow. our uh and our standard our PPR league. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we'll uh we'll have to talk about that next week, of course. Yep. Let's go ahead and move into the matchups. Yeah,
1: Thursday night football. We have Saints at the Cardinals. Um, kind of a lot of injuries on both teams. So if the Saints monitor the injury statuses of the Saints wide receivers, Michael Thomas will miss week seven, Jarvis Landry will miss week seven. But Chris Olave is expected to return. He was ruled out in week six due to a concussion. So expect him to return for this Thursday. And I think without Thomas and Landry there, he's a must start. He's making your lineup. Would you agree with Chris Olave? Oh, yeah.
0: And even when, you know, one or both of those guys yeah. were on the field, Chris Olave was still producing at a, at a high clip. For sure. and so I like him. You know, he's been a rookie breakout and that's been awesome to see uh unfortunately Garrett Wilson his you know former college teammate has kind of fallen off since mm. the return of Zach Wilson but yeah. I'm sure we'll talk more about that later for sure um what about the quarterback
1: yeah so Jameis Winston hasn't played since week three due to a back slash ankle injury and we see here that he'll be a game time decision I'm you know, reading some reports that Andy Dalton might keep the job even when Winston's healthy just so they're not rushing back into it and since dalton has been serviceable i feel like that seems a little bold because i feel like winston yeah, even if he you know has been notorious for throwing a lot of receptions he's also been equally known for throwing a lot of touchdowns so i feel like you would want that yeah. high ceiling out of your quarterback so i don't know there's probably not too much validity to that it's probably just something they're saying so that they don't feel like they have to force winston back in uh <laughs> to playing out there personally that's how yeah. i feel but one positive piece of news from this team is that alvin kamara had a slow start to the season with some injuries but he's averaging 20.9 fantasy points in his past two games so i mean he's back to that elite where you drafted him uh value i mean you drafted him probably a little Mm -hmm. bit later than you even should have because of the potential looming suspension which seems to not even be talked about but it was always known to be a latter half of the season anyway so we'll see yeah but uh yeah that's the saints you got anything else to add with them uh, how about Taysom Hill? how did he do last week? Oh, uh, nothing of note. And even if it was of note, I wouldn't believe it. So that's how, that's what I'll say about Taysom Hill. Whoa. whoa. We've done analysis right, just, on Taysom, let's Taysom Hill. Let's get a score
0: check. Four and a half fantasy points for Taysom Hill.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't be a sucker for those yeah. inflated numbers. Do not be a sucker. We've, yeah, we've never tr- succumbed to those point totals because we know the type of player he is and that does not yield consistency. So yeah, avoid him. That's, that's what we recommend okay. for sure.
0: I've got breaking news as of right now. Dak Prescott has officially been cleared medically by the Cowboys. Oh, wow. All
1: right, we'll talk about him more later um, shortly, I'm pretty sure. Right. So, the Cardinals. Uh, the return of De- DeAndre Hopkins, which is uh, <laughs> kind of perfect timing because Marquise Brown is currently... Well, when I saw this yesterday, he's labeled as out indefinitely. I've read a report today that it seems like a month is Six. the timetable. Yeah. A, a little over a month. A month and a half. Yeah, Yeah. With his foot injury. So... You know perfect timing for deandre hopkins to step in and i guess i'll say besides him who else do you expect to step up i mean i'm going to talk about ronda Moore and zach ertz do you think those are the, the usual suspe- are the suspects
0: <laughs> i think those are two of them uh, also important to note i think you know you could see a little bit more involvement from james connor in the passing game once he gets healthy Uh, we saw that from him he kind of had that role last season when he was taking over for Chase Edmonds so I would expect and I talked about buying low on James Conner a few weeks ago I think that that probably still comes to fruition at some point in the season yeah Um, and maybe the absence of Marquise Brown is going to aid in that
1: yeah because if he gets those receptions which is something he didn't always get that's what keeps his floor high because he's just kind of a touchdown fiend and you need that because his floor is not that high otherwise so yeah that's something to look out for so with rondo moore he's really involved in this offense played 99% of snaps 10.9 fantasy points last week. Back-to-back double-digit fantasy scoring performances. Um, I think this was his third game he played this season because he was injured for the first uh, three, that would be. Or it was his second, one of the two. But he's involved and he's back in this offense. And I think someone who's had him on my roster the entire time, I feel good about this opportunity that he's stepping into. And I think it will yield consistency for him. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, The Cardinals did trade for Robbie Anderson. I really don't think a whole lot of this. I think that... He falls clearly behind Hopkins, clearly behind Moore, and I still think that Ertz is probably the third uh, best receiving option on this team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think even
0: uh, even the ghost of AJ Green seems yeah. to still be cl- clinging on to this team. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if Robbie Anderson, you know, carves out a role for himself. Obviously, you and I are not expecting a lot out of him, considering you know he was. The number two option in carolina and not that that's a very valuable position yeah. but uh being more featured in the offense in terms of snap percentage i think that probably that number goes down for the first you know month or so that he's on the team uh, it just
1: depends on how it all works out yeah and as i have mentioned Zach Ertz, um he's quietly been consistent You know, he had used to be that elite tight end, and then they kind of fell off, and now he's kind of had a reemergence and a resurgence. 14 fantasy points, 96% of snaps. He is very involved, and I expect him to take advantage of this absence of Marquise Brown, even though that absence is mainly going to be filled by Hopkins, so it might not be that much different of a situation for a player like Ertz. But I'm going to agree with you. I think the Cardinals, they're a favorite again. I think I got to go with them. Um, Yeah, I think I'm not worried about them.
0: Coming off back-to-back losses, I think going up against a banged-up Saints team with the return of DeAndre Hopkins, I think it's going to yeah. be a big boost to this offense for sure. Um, and yeah, I think that I think you know the two-point favorite at home. Too many injuries on the Saints. I think that they're gonna. I
1: think they're gonna pull away with this one. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll move on to the first Sunday noon game. We'll talk about Browns at Ravens divisional matchup. So if the Browns. Um, it's I mean, it's obviously a offense ran by Nick Chubb, quite literally. But in this game, he didn't get a touchdown. And it shows you what can happen when Nick Chubb doesn't get a touchdown. He only had eight points. Um, he did only have 13 touches, which is low for him, of course. But uh, 12 carries for 56 yards and a catch for 14 yards. Uh, we, we've talked about him as being a sell-high candidate because when he was the RB1, thanks to a string of m- a multitude of touchdowns, That would not be Mm -hmm. sustainable, so you're still, of course, starting him, but I think that window probably closes, especially if he does another week this week without a touchdown. People are going to remember who Nick Chubb is and why he's not that elite running back as far as fantasy is concerned.
0: Yeah, and I would say this. I think recency bias goes both ways. Uh, It works for you and it works against you in these scenarios. Um, I talked about last week, and that's why I picked the Patriots. I think that Bill Belichick was able to scheme up a a plan to kind of limit Nick Chubb's involvement in this game. And I don't exactly expect the Ravens to replicate that. So I think he's going to bounce back, Um, you know, obviously for personal reasons. Having him on my roster, I want him to bounce back. But I think that, you know, Honestly, the Ravens defense has not uh scared many teams or put up much of a fight against offenses putting up points. So mm-hmm. uh Cleveland will get back to business. You know, it's a divisional game, so they're gonna play each other tough, but um I think I think Nick Chubb back bounces back this week. Uh and let's talk about the pass catchers next. Yeah,
1: so Amari Cooper is quietly the wide receiver ten. That surprised me, the fact that he's a low end wide receiver one, that's way above where you drafted him and so what are your thoughts you know on who, that? You, you know, know who reaction? he reminds me of? Yeah. Who?
0: He reminds me of last season, Mike Williams. Like, yeah. I think he finished wide receiver 12 or 13, but it was such a volatile wide receiver 13. like yeah. uh All the booms, all the busts, they combine to form a top 12-ish wide receiver. Yeah. We're seeing the same thing from Amari Cooper now. And so hopefully when Deshaun Watson returns and is leading this offense, Amari Cooper becomes more consistent and up on the higher end of that scale. Yeah. But as of right now, we kind of know what to expect with Amari Cooper, who just on some on some weeks he's going to win you yeah. win you the
1: week on some weeks he's going to lose you the week and, he, and either way you have to start him so it's not a super fun player to have um it only i mean when he booms it's fun to have him but just from a season-long standpoint it could definitely be annoying i would feel um i'll talk about donovan people's jones 33 percent rostered so potentially a waiver target he had 11.6 fantasy points on four receptions and a carry for only two yards though uh, but he's averaging 10.9 fantasy points and 86.3% of snaps in the past three games. So he's involved. He's getting a pretty high floor. Do you think he's worth a waiver acquisition?
0: Yeah, depending on your league size, um, definitely. He can be a flex consideration in deeper leagues. Um, I'm not super interested in starting him every week just based on the kind of profile that he has on this team. Yeah, um, we've We've seen him we've seen him have some really good games but most of the time he's been kind of quiet on this offense and so i think he can you can pick him up and certainly stash him maybe see if something develops down the road um but for for this week i'm not really interested in starting him
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. So maybe worth making your bench and see if he can get even more involved or a potential injury or just see what happens when Deshaun Watson gets there. So there's multiple reasons to have long-term wise, but I agree that you're probably not plugging him in right at this moment. But with David Njoku, we've talked about him a few times. He definitely peaked in week three and has negatively regressed a bit since then, but he's still involved in this offense and... That's saying a lot more than a lot of other tight ends in the league, so I still think he's worth making your team, and I think he is very highly rostered because of the fact that he's a tight end that's involved in an offense, and that kind of checks two boxes that many other tight ends don't. So, uh, yeah, hope that he can be more consistent going forward for you um, if he is your main tight end, but I'll go ahead and talk about the Ravens. So, monitor J.K. Dobbins as he was kept out of the entire second half after his surgically repaired knee tightened up on him. It from reports it seems like this isn't really a worry about him playing in week 7 it's just something that they had to be precautious about during week 6 that's my understanding of it obviously keep an eye on him if it like this aggravation is serious and could keep him out of the game but again this backfield isn't super valuable as we've said many times i mean Kenyon Drake had 19.7 fantasy points on 11 touches thanks to a 30 yard touchdown <laughs> run i mean that's just a Kenyon Drake stat line um from back at the Raiders last season where he just has a ton sure. uh, of fantasy points per touch um and I don't expect that to be reliable but they as previously analyzed they like to get more than running back, more than one running back involved but I will say J.K. Dobbins clearly uh, was favored over Kenyon Drake in the first half when he was playing so that's a good sign for Dobbins but it just didn't turn up for him in this game. And then, Lamar Jackson has had three straight games with only one passing touchdown. It's been a little rough out there for him. Obviously, his rushing floor keeps him uh, serviceable no matter what, and you're still starting him. He's an elite MVP candidate, potentially, but um, look for him to hopefully improve you think still? on that. I think, I think still. I think that how he started the season, I don't expect... He just had three hot games where he threw... What was it? Like... Ten or eleven passing touchdowns, and then the next three he's thrown three combined. I, 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 am more inclined to believe that he's gonna get back on his stride of being elite like that. Personally, um, yeah. I mean, he's he certainly stumbled in this second half of six
0: games played, but um, I don't know. I, 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 still think the favorites probably got to be Josh Allen. Yeah. But, um, we'll see. We'll see. Just yeah. because he's been so he's been so consistent. Yeah, he has, and I think he probably.
1: Um, that probably is likely, but Lamar, just his his ability to be unlike any other player is what keeps him always in that race, I think, for a lot of people. Or maybe
0: Aaron Rodgers will steal a third one. Gosh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
1: so even though Lamar Jackson isn't throwing a lot of touchdowns, Mark Andrews is tending to catch a lot of them, and he's boomed in the last two games, so proving to be that elite tight end that you got, you drafted. Um, but monitor Rashad Bateman's foot injury. He has been deemed as close to his return. I believe he practiced today. I could be wrong in that, but just keep an eye on his injury designation. Um, that could maybe provide some more consistency for Lamar Jackson's passing numbers if he has, um, who's looked at as his wide receiver one, back on the field. So I'm going to agree with you. I think the Ravens are going to bounce back from kind of a surprising loss to the Giants last week and beat the Browns at home. Um, yeah yeah my my rationale for this is obviously uh the quarterback play
0: i think lamar jackson does have a better game than he has lately against the browns um i mean you know we watched new england i think you kind of undersold their performance a little bit when talking about the browns but they put up what was it 39 points 38 points so i think that uh yeah defensively the browns are not where they should be and uh 'Cause that the should Baltimore be their strength. Has one of the best QBs. Honestly,
1: that should be their strength is their defense. And if they're yeah, they're allowing yeah. thirty eight to Zappy. Um yeah, I mean I'm sure you're talking about that offense a little bit later, so I'll save it for that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, baby. we'll move to on close to close the show. Yeah, we'll move on to Buccaneers at Panthers. <clears throat> Probably the biggest spread. I haven't checked all the way, but eleven point favorite Buccaneers. But they had a surprising loss to the Steelers in week six. And I hate to do this to you, but Tom Brady. Thirteen point seven two fantasy points. Eight passing touchdowns this season in six games, only one interception, so he's not making a lot of mistakes, he's just not finding the end zone a lot. But I'll ask you, <laughs> is he finally showing his age?
0: And I will answer you, I don't think so. Okay. Um and here's here's why. There's a variety of reasons. So he is he's still top five in the league in passing yards, still top five in the league in completion percentage. Um, the issues that he's been facing and we all know it is that his receiving core is, has been inconsistent or unavailable this year. Yeah. Uh, a game, one game, at least without Mike Evans, multiple games without Chris Godwin, uh, Julio Jones replaced a uh, very serviceable Antonio Brown from last year. Yeah. And Russell Gage, who Tom Brady personally uh, recruited, you know, just isn't the, the caliber of player to fill in for any of those roles. Yeah. So, yeah, to be completely fair, I think it's really not Tom Brady, and I think that we saw that when he was, uh, you know, getting frustrated with his offensive line. Yeah, he's just that. not getting enough help out there. Yeah. And it, I, I, eight touchdowns to one interception. You'll take those numbers all day long. If that pace sustains, he's going to have a fantastic season. So I think he. I think more likely than not, things are going to pick up when the receiving core gets healthy. Um, and you know just it was just a tough tough loss you yeah. know they went for two they didn't get it yeah to take it to overtime and uh, ultimately that's what did them in but yeah I think it's been more of a uh, personnel concern more so than a Brady concern and
1: I think the absence of Gronkowski really is actually hurting this yeah team. I forgot to mention Gronk yeah more Absolutely. than even expected um I mean obviously Hall of Fame tight end and one of the best QB connections with a receiver ever but yeah, you kind of expected Godwin and Evans to step up, and they really haven't so far. I mean, Godwin had fifteen point five points in this game; it's pretty good. And Evans had eight point two, so yeah. not as great. And there
0: were there were off season rumors that Gronk would potentially come back come out of retirement, again. so don't rule it out just yet.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Leonard Fournette is the RB five, so he's still doing well in this offense. He scored twenty two point one fantasy points on twenty seven touches, three street three straight games with a receiving touchdown, so I expect that to. Negatively regress because Brady's only thrown eight, and Fournette's caught the last three um, on the season. So, but Fournette's getting the touches. Touches. So you have to look at him as that high-end RB one that he's performing at. So
0: yeah, yeah. That's how that's how I projected him in our preseason rankings, and I'm happy to see that he is definitely paying off.
1: Yes. All right. So move on to the Panthers like the worst team in the league potentially uh most of the fantasy relevant news regarding the panthers are preemptive ads amidst trade rumors i mean robbie anderson left but it's not like you're like oh dj moore but no because dj moore was already ahead of him he had 3.7 fancy points in this one so the yeah. absence of baker mayfield didn't help at all um that was just a shot in the dark well, and hoping and it would
0: expect, yeah i yeah, didn't really <laughs> expect it to uh, they have announced that sam darnold has been cleared to return from ir so sc baby <laughs> we may be seeing we may be seeing sam darnold sooner rather than later um yeah. i don't expect that to help although he did sustain dj moore's value so yeah he started the season last
1: be... year last year on fire honestly and then kind of fell off yeah. the cliff but dj moore was more much more consistent um, well, and still finished with 1,100 receiving yards. So I think yeah.
0: I think Sam Darnold returning may actually revive DJ Moore's value. Um, it still might be time to buy low on DJ Moore. I know that the the, the the value, the return that you're looking for from DJ Moore can't be that high. So it would yeah. be a good opportunity if you're in a good position to buy low on DJ Moore and see how things shake out.
1: And Christian McCaffrey's kind of playing more like Christian McCaffrey. He started out the season, like, consistent, but not really booming. But he's got back-to-back, I believe, 20-plus fantasy points. And you have him on both your teams, so you can probably confirm that. But he's doing very well. Um, Do you think a preemptive ad of, like, Deontay Foreman and, you know in hopes for his fantasy value that Christian McCaffrey gets traded away. Do you think that's something worth going after? Or do you think him and I guess Chuba Hubbard would split the backfield and it wouldn't be that enticing? What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I haven't really considered that, but I would say that, uh, we really don't know if these trade rumors are going to happen. Um, you could certainly make a speculative ad like that, especially in a deeper league where, you know, maybe that kind of bump in usage for one of those guys would make a big impact on your team. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah, but the problem I think and you addressed it was that you don't really know who's gonna take over yeah. uh or if they're going to take a committee re- approach after that. So And if they're an not getting those thought. receiving
1: numbers like McCaffrey, which keeps them elite, then it's not an offense right. you really and want it's- running back in.
0: It's an interesting conversation to have, but it is, at the end of the day, still very speculative. Yeah. Um, and I would probably I would probably avoid that team altogether if I could, if McCaffrey leaves. Yeah,
1: they look really, really bad. Um, that I, being said, we're both picking them to win, right? No, I picked the Buccaneers. So I saw You <laughs> hadn't picked anyone yet. Maybe I thought you'd go against me. I'm with me. you. <laughs> I'm with you. In this divisional matchup. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll move on to Falcons at Bengals. So with the Falcons the backfield is running back by committee between Tyler Algier which I think that's spelled wrong but you can't even see that so don't worry about it and Caleb Huntley so not really much value in this backfield especially on a team that's usually playing from behind so don't worry about them at all as far as picking them up but yeah but they're actually they're actually among the highest in the league of rush attempts which is interesting that is interesting and Marcus Mm -hmm. Mariota may be factors in that because he's been rushing the ball more as of late and we you know. he's he's probably been running almost more than he's been throwing yeah he's had 111 and i'll talk about that more in a second but 111 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown in the past two games combined so he's gonna get down on the floor um but i still don't really think that's someone you want to add onto your roster but it's interesting to see if he can throw the ball more on top of that ret- rushing usage he could have a high floor that might be enticing but yeah, do you have anything to add on to that before I get into his passing aspect of his game? Yeah,
0: not really. I think, um, honestly, mariota has been very uh, polarizing this season. He's had some good weeks that ha- that were kind of, you know, uh, in part due to his rushing ability. But, yeah, the fact that this offense is just kind of trying to grind out games and not really getting hit their young, talented receiving options involved, um, there's, there's very limited upside, I feel like, uh, for this offense in general. So we're kind of... Yeah waiting to see what happens once Cordero Patterson returns from IR, and maybe that provides a boost to this team overall, but yeah. right now it's tough sledding.
1: Yeah, and to add on to that, it's it's difficult to want a quarterback whose season-high in completions is 20, and that was in week one. And as you said, it's limiting their pass catchers. It's limited the value of Drake London, even though he gets a ton of target, a high percentage in the target share of those completions, mm-hmm. but, and attempts, but it's really limited It's like Kyle an Pitts. inflated
0: it's like an inflated high target percentage exactly. because there That's are so true. few That's targets. True. Yeah,
1: um, but it's really harmed Kyle Pitts as I've said. He had ten point nine fantasy points, uh, mainly thanks to a touchdown on one of his three targets. Hey, let's, and and let's, not,
0: let's not undersell it. It's his first
1: touchdown in the NFL in America. So. Oh wow! Wow, I forgot yeah. about that. That's funny. That is funny. Yeah. Um, played fifty-seven percent of snaps. Uh, what? That's not good. What do you do? If, what if he? What do you do if you were a manager of Pitts? Because you would have hoped that he could tack on a little bit more on that touchdown to potentially make him a sell high, but he still only got ten point nine in that performance. So it's not. Yeah. Like...
0: So you drafted. I think he's more of a buy low candidate, if anything. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch that. Yeah. Um. You you drafted him in the early half of your draft, expecting him to basically fill your tight end spot for the first thirteen weeks because he has such a late buy. Um, and so I feel like most likely, if you rostered uh, Kyle Pitts, you didn't pick up a replacement during his early struggles, and so you're kind of in a bad position now. You have uh, bye weeks are coming in, so there's mo- there's less tight ends playing, which means more people are trying to find their replacements for bye weeks. Um, I don't know. To be honest with you, I, I think you can't. You-, you-, you made your bed, you got to lay in it. Yeah. Um, with Kyle Pitts, and it sucks because the the hopes for him were so high, Yeah. Uh, you know, the only thing that I can really think is if, if Desmond Ritter eventually gets the start, mm-hmm. maybe that provides another boost for this team um, in the passing game. But I don't know. As long as they continue to kind of have a, you know, semi-winning record, they're 3-3 three and three currently, um, I don't know when Ritter's going to get a chance. So yeah. with Pitts, if there is someone available on waivers, uh, you know, at this point, I don't know. Maybe Robert Tunyon. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's it's looking like Slim Pickens with ty- with uh, with bye weeks and everything else.
1: Yeah, I feel like going to going into this season and with drafts, we were low on Pitts in regards to his ADP for sure. Um, but I think people yes, were really lower
0: low on his ADP, but not on his talent yes. overall.
1: Yes. I think people were really underestimating the difference between losing Matt Ryan in this offense and going to a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. I mean. Matt Ryan, even if he's not in his prime, he's still slinging it. And I'll talk about what he did in week six. I mean, he threw the ball a ton. I mean, you were just never going to get that out of a player like Mariota, who mm-hmm. hasn't found a lot of luck and success in the NFL. But what's yeah. made him enticing as Basically a prospect a out of college at is because he has that rushing ability. So... Uh, that's not something you really love if he's getting it done on the ground, if he is being successful for your pass catchers. He's just a completely different archetype of a quarterback compared to Matt Ryan. So I feel like that should have been kind of more expected, but it really, that aspect of it wasn't really talked about from what I know.
0: Yeah. And in fairness, I think that uh, to be honest, Desmond Ritter is, you know, more of a Mariota type than a Matt Ryan type yeah. also. So yeah. maybe, maybe it won't make a big difference, yeah. but give him a chance. Uh, you, you only know what you know. Yep. So,
1: all right, we'll move on to the Bengals, who kind of looked like a 2021 20, Bengals offensive performance. Joe Burrow boomed over 30 points. Jamar Chase boomed over 30 points. Um, so, you love that. Jamar Chase had two receiving touchdowns. That's amazing. Uh, Burrow threw 300 yards, three passing touchdowns. I mean, this is just like. This is the team that went to the Super Bowl last season. Here they are. Remember us? That's that's kind of what it felt well, and, like looking at these stats.
0: Not only that, but it was a homecoming for them back in the stadium where they won their national championship as teammates in LSU. Oh
1: wow, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. That's... So. That's interesting, yeah. It was a
0: homecoming for the LSU boys. Yeah,
1: the game where he threw, like, seven passing touchdowns or something like that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: just ridiculous stats. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right, well, with Joe Mixon, he's the only other person I'll really talk about, he had 16.8 fantasy points, but only 12 touches? Um, He did get a receiving touchdown. Are you worried about those lack of carries, or was the passing game just working for the Bengals in Week 6?
0: Well, no, I'm not worried about the lack of carries because remember last week we talked about how he was fourth in the league in rushing attempts. So he's had the volume prior to this. The fact that he was able to produce uh, this week in spite of the volume of carries is not really concerning because more likely than not, he's going to go back to getting a heavy workload in future games. I agree. So So that's just uh, an example of
1: you know sometimes you want to look deep into the stats, but this is an example of one don't overthink this this is just how the game went and you expect him to return to how he had been previously so um i'm going to agree with you and pick the Bengals to win this game in cincinnati against the falcons um yeah it seems like they're kind of finding their stride a little bit more so i think that's that's good for them and i don't expect the falcons yeah, to the stop other
0: that. right we didn't expect the falcons to take the 49ers down last week so yeah. when they got up big uh based on some defensive scores you know That makes it difficult for a 49ers team that is not exactly an offensive powerhouse to come back. And I think that Bengals have that offense that if they were to find themselves down early, they could uh, rally and, and pull it out in the end. Yeah.
1: All right, let's move on to Lions at Cowboys. So if the Lions, they were on bye in week six, um, and they had a shutout loss against your New England Patriots in week five. So I kind of have to go really far back to talk about any stats, so I'm not really going to focus on that. So I'll say monitor DeAndre Swift's injury status for his shoulder-slash-ankle injury. I believe that it's likely that he'll play this week, and they're wanting him to. But if he's out, do you think you have to start Jamal Williams?
0: I don't know. This might be... Unpopular to say, but I feel like, based on what we've seen from Detroit uh, in Week Five, obviously with the Week Six bye as you mentioned, uh, but then going up a t- going up against a tough Cowboys defense yeah. on the road, it's. It's not exactly an ideal starting situation for Jamal Williams. I wouldn't be surprised if you had if you found success last week in replacing him. Yeah, that you leave him on your bench this week, given the matchup. I mean, and uh, let me just add on. on? He's
1: yeah, he's a he's a running back that has no receiving floor. So if they're not getting it done on the ground, which probably isn't likely if they're going to be behind this game potentially against a good defense i think that it's not a given that you have to start jamal williams in the absence of swift but if swift's there you're starting him um but yeah i would yes, say it's not course. a given
0: because he jamal he's does, regardless of game script yes uh, deandre swift is always
1: involved he and makes that's it why he's so valuable yep um, I expect among Ross St. Brown to have a strong return from bye. he, you know, week five wasn't good. They got shut out. I believe he was coming off a zero in week six. right? Yeah. And I, I believe that week <laughs> four, he, I don't need, I don't know exactly which week it was that he was injured, but then he came back, but wasn't really, uh, used to the same, uh, percentage of plays like high snap count that he had been in, like the opening two weeks. So I expect him to probably be more healthy and ready to take on, uh, basically all the receiving work like he did in the first two weeks so i expect him to be a strong start again um so expect that against the cowboys even though it is a tough defense as you said but he is their best receiving option and then tj hawkinson has you got anything to say about st brown although this kind of ties into hawkinson no not really
0: i mean i think st brown's one of those players like deandre swift that kind of is always involved regardless of game script so i'm not as concerned about starting him this week as a jamal williams for instance yeah um, but no, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think Amon Ra is going to come back and and do well. He has most games this week. He's been been seeing a high volume of targets, and that really helps uh, his floor in PPR scoring. So yeah, uh, I'm all I'm all for starting Amon Ra.
1: Yeah, and with T.J. Hawkinson, he's yet to boom while St. Brown is active. So, you know, if you have that backup tight end option that you had to for sure get last week, and he's more consistent, I don't really think that. You have to start Hawkinson. Um, kind of need to wait and yeah. see and see him do really well while St. Brown is there and just not kind of fall into the shadows. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have to say about Hawkinson. We'll see. No, I agree
0: with that, too. I mean, three weeks of the five games played has been single digits. Yeah. It's been a tough season for Hawkinson outside of his week four boom against Seattle. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you. If you found somebody that gave you some good points uh, last week while Hawkinson was out... You're not necessarily required to put Hawkinson back in your lineup.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll talk about the Cowboys. Uh, Dak Prescott is on track to play in week seven, returning from his thumb injury. This should allow for an improvement for all Cowboys pass catchers, as Dak will be throwing the ball much more than Cooper Rush has been. And it's funny, Cooper Rush finally got his first loss as a starter uh, last week against the Eagles. And now he's out. He's gone. He's gone. Um, (laughs) It's just the timing and the injury, but it's kind of funny. Um, Well,
0: it was just, it it was just, it was about time, because honestly, like, it had been such a stupid yep. carnival. And we've talked about, about it every oh, week. He's, but... he's my MVP candidate. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. This guy was barely getting by, just coasting off of a good defense. It's, it yeah. was just silly. It's this to, defense that allows them much. to have
1: four wins. Is that what it is? Four and two? Four yeah, wins. Yeah, four, four and this season? one. Yep. Um, yeah. So, monitor Dalton Schultz's knee injury. He actually was held out in week six, which is probably good for managers that had him because they didn't have to feel like is he going to play enough because that's kind of what happened in week 5 he was active but wasn't really involved so monitor so sorry I just want to you know voice
0: my grievances for a moment because as a manager of Dalton Schultz Uh, he had no injury designation heading into the weekend and then was a late inactive, uh, for Sunday night football. Okay. Yeah.
1: Actually, I'll say it wasn't good for you. And I guess I forgot the fact that it was Sunday night. So you probably didn't have the chance, but it did make the decision for you. And you didn't have to say, Oh, is he going to be useful on this game? Because he didn't play. (laughs) That's kind of my point. (laughs) So, okay. No, but my point was he didn't
0: have any injury designation going into Sunday. So I put him in my lineup, dropped Tyler Conklin, who actually didn't end up doing anything either. He got 2.7 points, uh, but, yeah, the fact that he was a late inactive, I think, was kind of
1: lame. Yes, that is uh, I, I feel like
0: Dr. Jerry Jones should have gotten on the horn and been like, hey, Dalton Schultz isn't going to play this week, probably, you know, cl- closer to Sunday. Yeah. But that's
1: regardless. Um, I did yeah, forget Duty the timing of things. His but I will say, you know, this team has a history of still playing, like, what they did to Zeke last year. He probably could have done for a, a one week off and so if they were being more cautious for schultz so that he can be back to 100 percent, that's what's positive about it but yeah the timing of all obviously yes. was not um i'll talk about zeke season high fantasy score with 15.6 fantasy points 61 percent of snaps he got that touchdown 14 touches 13 carries i mean he needs that touchdown really um yes yeah. very not involved in the
0: passing game yeah not involved in the passing game nearly enough <laughs> Uh, and a low volume of rushing overall. So just limited touches in this offense, but hopefully with the r- return of Dak Prescott, there are more scoring opportunities for Zeke uh, inside the five. Yeah. And so and for maybe the- his value improves. Yeah.
1: And for the return of Dak at home, we both agree that they will be able to handle the lions and win in this game. So yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to giants at Jaguars um with the giants i mean kind of some funny players to talk about although monitor saquon i think he got switched to questionable for this week so just monitor that injury status you're obviously starting him he's elite if he's playing but outside Mm -hmm. other players which there aren't many they're all kind of reaches but daniel bellinger bellinger one of the two bellinger tight end um he was seven... Actually, can you check that for me? Check his roster percentage, because I did this yesterday, sure. before uh, Tuesday night. But mm-hmm. 94% of snaps, 14.8 fantasy points, five catches on five targets, 38 yards, and a receiving touchdown. I mean, very low rostered, um, once you find that, announce what the roster percentage yeah. is in Sleeper. 13% on Sleeper currently. Do you think that he's worth picking up as a tight end? Uh...
0: I will, I will turn the question back on you. Would you rather
1: start Kyle Pitts or Daniel Bellinger? Oh, gosh. Jeez. <laughs> well, wow, that's really... That's surprisingly put your, difficult. Put your money where your mouth is. That's surprisingly difficult. I mean, Bellinger had 37% more snaps. And mm-hmm. he's playing on a better team. Wow. Right. I guess... I, yeah, I don't think you can start Kyle Pitts. That's crazy! Wow, that's crazy. I'm glad <laughs> okay. I don't have Kyle Pitts so, because I that just that 15 think, seconds. But of I think that
0: kind of the that kind of puts difficult. things in perspective for this player. Um, obviously, low yardage amount, but if he's getting five targets a game, yeah. you know that's that's usable at the tight end position. I think this is more a argument for. Just quit quit mandating that you have a tight end in your lineup. Just increase it to two flexes on your roster, and that will change so much of how you play the game. Um, but no, I, I don't hate the uh, I don't hate the the prospect of Daniel Bellinger as a pickup. Obviously, not rostered in many uh, leagues at this point. So yeah, certainly a consideration. I think you're picking him over Kyle Pitts. I don't think that's actually that crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, in this game, so uh, I think good find on that one.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, someone has to rise out of all these injuries of this wide receiver core and tight end uh, spot. But, yeah, another player I'll talk about in the receiving core is Wondell Robinson, the rookie. 12.7 fantasy points, three receptions on four targets, 37 yards, and a touchdown. So he played 23% of snaps, so he really helped him that yeah. he got that touchdown. But this is his first all game right. since week two – or week one, sorry. Only his second NFL game ever. So do you think that he could be more involved and be – reliable so I like Wondell Robinson as a speculative ad
0: he's somebody I think I mentioned in preseason about taking a late round flyer on um just because of the upside the potential upside as a slot receiver in this Giants offense um yeah someone that I'm not exactly rushing to start this week based on that snap percentage but um a speculative ad for sure um we'll have to see kind of how the injuries shake out on this roster it seems like last year it was a similar scenario we were talking always about wide receiver injuries for the giants uh not much has changed here and Wandell robinson may find himself in a bigger role on a uh surprisingly uh four five and one giants team yeah
1: they handled the ravens last week and that was surprising as i've already mentioned in this episode but Mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting for sure so um talk about the Jaguars and I've noticed that they really have had a huge change in their offense from weeks one through three compared to weeks four through six so I'll do some analysis on that so Christian Kirk averaged 20.9 fancy points in weeks one through three and has averaged 7.06 fancy points in weeks th- four through six and it's correlated to Trevor Lawrence you know 25.6 pass completions in that first half and 18.6 in the second half so he's throwing the ball uh, on average seven fewer times a game significantly less so that is that is a big difference and lawrence also threw six passing touchdowns in the first half and three passing touchdowns in the second half so half the passing touchdowns so Mm -hmm. i feel like what do you make of that do you expect him to be able to return to how he started the season and thus that will be good for christian kirk and even players like zay jones or do you think that what do you think is more representative of how they'll be the rest of the season
0: well, I'll say this. I think they were robbed last week <laughs> against the Colts, and uh, I picked them to win that game, and uh, unfortunately it didn't work out. But I think that uh, based on who they've played in the last three weeks, so at Philadelphia, then home to Houston, and then at the Colts, um, uh, I, I think you kind of got to throw out the Houston game because that was a weird, like 6-9 to nine was the final there. Um, playing Washington – and Indianapolis at home, which they crushed, and and uh, at the Chargers in Week Three, those are different. Those are different kind of opponents. I feel like so, I'm not really sure which is going to uh, pan out to be more the norm in these two splits. Uh, but I will say that I think Trevor Lawrence is continuing to improve as a quarterback, a young quarterback yeah. in this league, and He's much
1: better than last I season. Think
0: yeah, and I think more likely than not, they're going to figure things out and kind of return back to the first half uh, split that you were referring to. Uh, it's just, it's it's a it's a tough, if it's a tough spot when you have Christian Kirk who's been struggling, when you have these running backs that we'll talk about next that yeah. have just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Um, and we can go ahead and move on to that if you'd like, because I think the, the decrease in Trevor Lawrence's passing volume you would think would reflect in an increase in rushing yeah, volume but it, it just really hasn't, hasn't. In the case yeah
1: because james robinson's volume has declined relative to that first half versus second half major decline volume from weeks one through three compared to weeks four through six so it's just really this entire offense james robinson in yeah. week six played 43 percent of snaps 6.5 fantasy points on 13 touches only one reception whereas travis etn 12.8 fantasy points 10 rushes for 86 yards, two receptions on two targets for 22 yards, 46% of snaps or 3% more than Robinson. Is ETN trending in the correct direction? Sort of. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I get uh, it. What,
0: we, what we have seen, what we have seen, cause like this whole offense is kind of trending in the wrong direction yeah. generally. So um, ETN has been very efficient on the ground when he's gotten those carries. Uh, Still not as much involved in the passing game as you'd like to see from him. Someone that was kind of profiled as that kind of player in college. Um, uh, which, by the way, playing with Trevor Lawrence, so you would expect more chemistry there than what we've seen so yeah. far. Um, but, you know, maybe this given matchup requires a little bit more involvement from ETN in that pass-catching role, and Trevor Lawrence can kind of get right in this week. Um, the more I talk about it, the more I'm leaning towards picking the Jags in this one. Yeah, this is difficult. Um, I've kind of been picking... I've picked the Jags a lot this year, um, and it really hasn't paid off for me. And
1: It's difficult. I'm kind of surprised the Jaguars are the favorite they are at home. I'm going with the Giants, yeah. but honestly, this is difficult either way, and I hope Saquon plays because if Saquon does not play, I don't really have a lot of reason to pick the Giants, but I think he could be a difference maker in this game. Yeah. But it's risky. <laughs> yeah, I think, you
0: know... I don't know what the weather is for this game. Obviously Jacksonville can get a little wild at times. Yeah.
1: But I think I think I'm gonna go with the Jaguars on this yeah, one. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's fair. This is this is definitely an interesting matchup, uh, for sure. And we'll move on to Don't let me down, Jags. Yeah, we'll move on to the Betsy's favorite team, right? <laughs> His girlfriend. We'll move on to the next game. Colts at Titans. Um divisional matchup, I believe. And with the Colts, we have Matt Ryan, who I alluded to earlier. He threw the ball 58 times for 42 completions. Now, I don't expect this to continue, but he is known to be throwing the ball a lot, <laughs> so he is capable of a game like this. This production allowed my boy Pittman to boom again with 16 targets, so that was great. But we'll analyze two other pass catchers. Paris Campbell, 18.7 fantasy points, 7 receptions on 11 targets, 57 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Played 100% of snaps. But this was his first double digit fantasy score of the season and then meanwhile we have alec pierce the rookie 13.9 yeah, by over points. 10
0: points by the way
1: oh but that he yeah so his 8.7 it was lower was his ceiling yes yeah okay.
0: 8.3 was his previous season high so as much as this is like a neat story for paris campbell i don't think it's something that you can trust okay. uh, moving forward so that's one answer uh, that's that's my that's my take on it
1: yeah so i'll talk about alec pierce because maybe you feel a little bit better about his consistency although 65 percent of snaps compared to the 100 that is interesting but the rookie (laughs) 13.9 fantasy points did catch a touchdown three catches three double digit fantasy scores in a row that's what's better about him so do you think he's more reliable
0: i do like alec pierce better i think that they're gonna find a way to get him more involved in this offense uh taking on more of a snap percentage role um we, we've, we've we've seen Paris Campbell struggle, you know, just kind of exist in the NFL for the past couple seasons. And I think that Alec Pierce is um, obviously not a first round draft pick, but uh, still a talented young rookie that yeah. seems to be, you know, gelling well with Matt Ryan. And that's important too. Yeah. So um, I, I, I do have a larger belief in Pierce than Campbell moving forward on this offense. Um,
1: I think he's a good speculative That I've talked about that before. Sure. Um, running back Deion Jackson, I had to add the position to make sure we knew who I was talking about, scored 28.1 fantasy points with 10 receptions in the absence of Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. Um, I mean, he's just going to go back to the middle of nowhere <laughs> whenever Taylor comes back. But <laughs> I think anything to pull from yeah. this is that if Taylor's out again, it's not just automatically the Naeem Hines show.
0: No, and that's that's a good point. Um although Dion Jackson did kind of do a a very uh good that's uh, Naheem true. Hines impressions with that that amount of receiving game usage. Yeah. So if anything, maybe it's possible Dion Jackson replaces Naheem Hines moving forward. Yeah. Um, that is interesting good that's thing. a consideration. Yeah. So I although I don't think that's the most valuable role on this team, we haven't seen Naheem Hines produce at that position when he was healthy. Yeah. Um it just, kind of, it just kind of makes, honestly, it makes it more perplexing that we haven't been seeing more success from Jonathan Taylor when yeah, he's healthy.
1: That is true. That is true. And I think he's expected to play this this game, so see if he can prove us wrong and prove that value of being drafted at the 101 and drafts. Uh, we'll talk about the Titans, not for very long, though, because it's not a fun offense to talk about. Traylon Perks <laughs> was placed on IR before the Titans week six bye with a toe injury, so he'll be out. Kind of the only, like, glimmer of hope outside of derrick henry of course of this offense with him, him being a rookie but do you expect robert woods to step up in burks's absence maybe
0: well we talked <laughs> we talked about this back in our week five preview here's what he did uh four catches on eight targets for 37 yards that's uh, so not that's, really. not, that's <laughs> not good no um this is a low volume passing offense. Yeah. I've talked about it all preseason long. I've talked about it all season long. This is a running team. Derrick Henry is the only player that you should be yeah. uh, starting. And he's back fantasy. to booming.
1: He kind of had a right. slow start relative to what you yes, drafted he did. him at. He stumbled at first. But he's back to being, it's just Derrick Henry. They should rebrand to the Tennessee Henrys because that's what their offense is they really are nothing else and they are somehow the favorite they somehow have a winning record but we're both disagreeing with that and saying on the on the being the favorite aspect of it don't can't really disagree on the record yeah but picking the Colts (laughs) to win away in Tennessee in this one in this divisional matchup and I yeah I agree with you on that
0: yeah um, all right. Well, let's move forward. I'm gonna I'm gonna take over here. So let's talk about Packers at the Commanders. There's a fun one for you. Mm. Um, so let's start with this. Aaron Rodgers continues to underdeliver. Currently ranked as QB twenty, he is averaging thirteen and a half fantasy points per game on the season. Ouch. Is it time to give him the speech? It's not me. It's you. Are you ready to
1: break <sighs> up with Rodgers? That's horrible. Um, I think that. He definitely deserves to be on your bench. I don't know about dropping him just because he literally was the MVP last season. He, even if we kind of disagree <laughs> with that, but you yeah. know he doesn't have his weapons. He's lost Devonte Adams, so it's not super surprising. And he's an aging quarterback. But yeah, you don't you don't have to start him off of name value. So listen to the numbers. Listen yeah, to the certainly numbers.
0: not. Um, I would prefer a lot of quarterbacks ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So. Uh, 13.5 fantasy points for your QB is pretty much not an option. No, not
1: envious of whoever um, potentially drafted him as their quarterback one, which hopefully they didn't, but it's definitely possible that they did. It was something that we talked about being a
0: good strategy in the offseason, and, you know, I think a lot of, I mean, we we definitely share the blame with a lot of people that that were, you know, uh, promoting that same kind of idea, waiting on quarterback, but... We didn't expect it to be this bad, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, with how it's Um, gone so
1: far, I would almost draft... I almost never draft those elite, you know, Allen Mahomes quarterbacks at their ADP. But with how it's going, I mean, I'd take Allen at that ADP all day compared to a lot of these quarterbacks that people are forced to start week in, week out. So it's been weird. It's been weird. There's been, like, weirdly no depth at the position this season.
0: Well, and there have been a few values later in the draft, like Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. Who's come on sure. as of late? So, uh, but I get it. No one, no one is doing what Josh Allen's doing on Correct. a weekly basis. Correct. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the running backs now. And unfortunately, more bad news. Uh, Aaron Jones, seven and a half fantasy points last week, only his second game with fewer than 10 fantasy points, but with a season average of 13.2, his floor is always kind of flirting with close to 10 points per game. That's just not what you're looking for uh, from some of that you likely drafted in the second round in most leagues. Yeah, uh, He's consistently getting three receptions per game, uh, all but in week five. Only two touchdowns on the season, both came in week two, so you kind of don't like that. Um, he had one boom week on the year. Mm-hmm. I do expect positive regression moving forward with the touchdowns, um, but this offense kind of needs to figure things out. And keeping everything in perspective, Jones is still the running back fourteen on the season. He he does remain an
1: RB two in all leagues. That is surprising, and I think that has a lot to say. If you know how we opened this episode of just overall being lower on the fantasy scoring this season but yeah rp14 with someone almost every single week we're like who do you like more out of this backfield and yet jones is rp14 it says a lot about what one boom week can do for a player's rank um especially this early part of the season but we're approaching halfway almost so it is yeah surprising. we are we are almost midway so it, it, and you know 13.2
0: is not what you drafted him to do uh on a weekly basis but it's uh that's almost as good as what you're getting from Aaron Rodgers. So. <laughs> uh, wow. Back to uh, back to the other backfield mate on this team, A.J. Dillon, 9.2 fantasy points here. He has had five consecutive weeks with single-digit fantasy scores. Um, it is a middle-of-the-pack matchup for running backs. Uh, uh, Washington ranks 25th in rushing yards allowed per game. So is there any chance that that sways your decision in flexing Dillon?
1: <sighs> I think it's I think it's difficult to ah. This is why I didn't want to draft Dylan because you draft him at a spot where with your depth you almost have to start him. But I feel like that's hard to do, and I feel like we say that every week. You do like you do like the receptions, but uh, yeah. I don't know. You know when you <laughs> see that rank for rushing defense, it could very easily be a week where Aaron Jones just booms. Yeah. So. It's so difficult to have either of them, and we have both faded having really any, almost any Packers player. So it's all about your depth. I think that he's got a safe floor, but I'm not super excited about him.
0: Well, in the floor, the last five weeks has been single digits, so I think if you're looking for upside, look elsewhere. Yes, if you're looking for upside, for sure. That's my perspective. I mean, because even, even with Washington ranking so low against the run, uh, AJ Dillon himself is only is averaging under fifty rushing yards per game thus so far so I don't I don't really see things changing this week. Um, talking about the pass catchers here, both Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs had nine targets and caught four passes, but Lazard found the end zone for the fourth time in five games and finished with more yards than Dobbs uh, with a split of seventy six to twenty one. Uh, for now, I think you keep Dobbs on your bench as he's averaging 42.5 receiving yards per game since week three, where his snap percentage increased to 86 or higher. Lazard feels like the safer play among the two. Um, I know we talked about, you know, who would you rather have uh, the, the past couple weeks between Lazard and Dobbs. It seems like Lazard's the one. Um, and then moving on to the tight end conversation here. Uh, this is going to be similar to my analysis of David Joku's big game. Uh, Robert Tunyon finished last week with 19 fantasy points from 10 catches on 12 targets for 90 yards. Solid day. Absolutely love that production from a tight end. Unfortunately, he probably wasn't on your roster, uh, so he couldn't help you with that. And in his career, Tunyon has played three games where he had been targeted seven times or more. That was his previous career high. Last week, increased that number to four games, making 12 targets, his new career high. This is his sixth NFL season. So let that sink in: four games with seven or more targets in six NFL seasons. Yeah. This is a this is a <laughs> this is a bad spot. Um, tight ends a wasteland. Uh, Do you think that Robert Tunyon is the answer to which pass catcher do you want to start on this Green Bay offense? Oh,
1: no. I I mean, the
0: numbers are grim when you look at it like
1: that. Yeah, uh, I mean, two seasons ago, I think it was, I remember he was just like elite tight end because he kept on catching touchdowns. But he -hmm. just doesn't seem like he's the type of player that would yield consistency i feel like that's the third time i've used that phrase today just really it's really working um so no i don't really believe in robert Tunyon as being the pass catcher i want in this offense um i think that yeah. he is a good add especially in leagues where you have to play a tight end because well i don't even know his roster percentage in leagues where you have to have a tight end but not everyone had him yeah, to start the season low. of course but you know i think lazard getting the touchdowns makes you think that for sure he is the pass catcher to have right now and I think Dobbs being a rookie and getting involved is still promising um so no I don't look at Tan Tan and think yeah I'm not advocating for you to drop Dobbs but I think he
0: needs to stay on the bench until further notice
1: yeah he's just
0: not getting enough receiving volume agreed uh with yardage or touchdowns so makes it tough to start him every week uh moving on to the commanders Carson Wentz is expected to miss four to six weeks with a fractured finger that required surgery, not officially on IR as of yet. Uh, but is Carson Wentz droppable in leagues without an IR spot? Yeah. hanging on to Wentz, who's been struggling the past few weeks? Yeah, you have
1: to, because, I mean, we've been talking about the fact that, like, you you're still starting... No, you have to drop him, I think. I, I okay, no, okay. have to is probably strong. You, you definitely can drop him. How about that? I feel like mm-hmm. we've been saying, like, is he still a good fill-in at, for your bye week yeah. quarterback? And if we're having to ask that question, yeah, you're not rostering him without an IR spot for that long. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, that's
0: where I, that's where I feel as well. Um, Let's talk about the running backs next. Brian Robinson led the team in rushes with 17 for 60 yards and a touchdown, a late touchdown that kind of saved his day on 47% of the snaps. Um, He has yet to be targeted in game through two weeks. Basically makes him a touchdown-dependent flex at best until that changes. uh, We'll see how Taylor Heineke fits into this offense and how it affects uh, the running back usage among this uh, committee. Antonio Gibson played a season low twenty six percent of the snaps. And only managed five carries in Week Six. I would uh, I would probably venture to guess. I know what you're going to say to this, uh, but with single digit opportunities in back to back weeks, are you holding or folding on Gibson? I mean
1: folding. I mean he's yeah he he's just getting phased out of this offense. Like what you know, Absolutely. we always called him a, is, we called him a returner. He's returning kicks. We called him a returner going to the he season. He is returning kicks. He was
0: returning kicks in that he game was. against the Bears so last week.
1: That's what he is, and that's weird but yeah it's weird his third se- third or fourth season i think third and they are just given up on him uh for this rookie which i don't know
0: well it's not from a lack of trying i guess not but and and to keep in perspective it is it is his third season this year
1: yeah
0: um he finished last year as rb12 and the year before as rb13 as a rookie so it's not as though he wasn't getting volume and usage um, but I think they've found what they like more in Brian Robinson. And so it is kind of an interesting development, but it's something that we knew about going
1: into the preseason. Fair enough. That is true. That is That was the sentiment around Gibson going into the season for <laughs> sure. Uh, moving on to the pass catchers here, Curtis Samuel,
0: season lows on all fronts, two catches on five targets for only six yards. That's like a running back stat line. <laughs> um, but without Carson Wentz, are you wanting to wait and see how involved Samuel is with Heineke in at quarterback?
1: Uh, I think that's probably fair because Wentz had really been slinging it and Heineke probably won't do the same. I know he's got experience with this offense, but not really with Curtis Samuel being healthy. So I think that is fair to wait and see with him, but I do expect him to still be um, consistent. And I see you're about to talk about Terry McLaurin. I would say yes, because I see you have a question there and I feel like I'll just answer this right now. I think the process is different. Okay. Hold on.
0: Let me ask it first. Let me ask it first. So Back to Terry McLaurin. Sorry, there's just it's for fun. everyone to be able to hear it. Um, Terry McLaurin's in a very similar boat to Samuel by stats over the past three weeks. Um, we've been comparing them pretty closely over... Over that stretch, excuse me. Um, But with the benefit of playing most of last season with Heineke, is your thought process different from McLaurin? That is the
1: key, playing a lot of last season with him. And going into this season, we were like, McLaurin's the, the wide receiver one, and then like, Dotson's maybe the two? Like, we weren't even really thinking about Curtis Samuel. So I think that McLaurin clearly has his role in the offense, no matter who the quarterback is. And I think that, therefore, you have to assess him differently. Hopefully, Samuel can get back to his early season uh, performances with Heineke, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's more risky.
0: Yeah, and Terry McLaurin was last season's wide receiver 25 with Heineke at quarterback, so I kind of expect, if anything, for things to improve because they can't
1: really get worse, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I'm picking the right, Packers, so who are you picking in this one? I guess. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's two... I am as well. I I don't love that I'm picking them to win just based on how poorly they performed last week, um, but I still don't really believe in this. Gosh, I just I'm still holding out hope that Roger's is going to figure it out. That's really what it comes down to. Because yeah. I could I could sit here and tr- convince myself that Taylor Heineke is going to take this Commanders team and, and inspire them to play against uh, against a, a struggling Green Bay offend and I just don't know if I can really convince myself of that. I'm gonna. This is not the hill I'm gonna die on. I'm gonna stick with you on the on the Packers for this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, man. I I've got all the gross games so far. Yeah. Next one is Jets at Broncos. Oh. Um, Zach Wilson's pass attempts have decreased every week since returning to action uh, in Week Four going from 36 down to 21, and then down again to 18. Uh, these are pass attempts, by the way, not completions. All pass catchers are unplayable until Wilson improves or gets replaced, and he won't get replaced as long as they continue to win. The Jets are surprisingly, among, uh, against all odds, they are 4-2. and two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brees Hall continues to be a fantasy rock star among rookie running backs uh, and running backs in general. Uh, Any concerns, though, that he will stumble against Denver and potentially have his first single-digit week? Uh,
1: If that means Broncos did well, I hope so. But, no, I think Hall's legit. I mean, is it impossible for him to get single digits? Of course not. It's not impossible. But I think that he is very legit, and they're wanting to use him a lot, and he's been consistent. Mm -hmm. So this is a tough defense, um, I feel, because they keep that offense in games. But... Yeah, I think that you're still pretty confident in Brees Hall. Okay. I, to me, this is a week
0: where I'm a little hesitant, um, or I'm, I'm lowering expectations for Brees Hall.
1: Yeah, which is different, um, because you're you're starting him no matter what, I presume. But yeah, maybe yes. lower your expectations. I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it would not shock me, because I asked the question. It wouldn't sure. shock me if he was a single-digit scorer this week. Sure. Sure. Uh, moving on to the Broncos, it was another miserable display of yeah. offense on Monday Night Football. In Week 6, we watched this game together, uh-huh. um, and I think we were both surprised when we saw Latavius Murray taking control of the backfield against the Chargers, logging 15 carries for 66 yards on 47% of the snaps. Like, they kept cutting over to Melvin Gordon, just looking sad like he lost his dog before the game. Uh <laughs> Mike Boone and, and, and Melvin Gordon combined for four carries and nine yards in week six. Boone also caught one of four targets for three yards as well. Uh, so here's a bizarre coaching yeah, nugget for you. This. Gordon has been named the starter for week seven. So <sighs> I don't know how much longer they're going to give Nathaniel Hackett. But uh, yeah, apparently Melvin Gordon's the starter this week. Do with that what you will. Um, I'm keeping him out of my lineup if I can afford it and I'm sure that I can afford it based on where Gordon went in drafts um, I really yeah, want no part of this rushing offense it's
1: like if he can take snaps away from Javante Williams how can he not do that for Latavius Murray and Mike Boone it makes no sense yeah I
0: think it's, I, it's definitely bizarre coaching um, and we've seen a lot of that this year from Denver so Moving on to the pass catchers, Jerry Judy averaging fewer than 10 fantasy points per game. This makes me look really smart with how uh, I was pushing for Cortland Sutton early in the preseason. Uh, Two games with 15 plus for Judy, four games, one of them with him leaving early with injury with uh, fewer than eight and a half points. Uh, and then Cortland Sutton played 100% of the snaps for the first time this season, you probably think, Oh, he must've done well. Uh, he caught two of three targets for 14 yards. So that's odd. Um, but as our resident Broncos fan, what's your advice to those who roster Judy or Sutton?
1: I I think that you have to have enough confidence in Sutton <sighs> just because he has been consistent before this game uh, relatively mm-hmm. has been putting up reliable numbers. Um, Jeez, it, it's so difficult because wilson actually like started the game pretty productively like being a high conversion percentage decent amount of passing yards a passing touchdown i believe and then just like the second half just completely fell off so it's hard to find any reason or rationalization for it so if you have someone who's been consistent i don't think benching judy is uh, that bold but yeah it's just like you expect this team to Get something going. I, maybe it's just—it's so hard to talk about this team at all because there are—it's so many different fingers pointing in different directions about what could be wrong with the offense. And I know it has a lot to do. If coaching causes a lot of that, so it's difficult for, as an outsider to predict that. So yes, for Sutton, I think he's been reliable and consistent enough to be like, okay, one bad week with statistically. Judy doesn't really have that luxury as much, but he should be doing better than averaging fewer than 10 fantasy points per game. So I don't even know if I really gave you an answer, but that's how I feel well, about it.
0: Well, I think, I think what I pulled from that was you're still starting Sutton, and with Judy, if you have other options, probably use, use them.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say uh, don't, don't bench them out of spite, but if you have reliable options, go for it.
0: Yeah. Um, let's pick this game. Uh, the Jets are one-point huh. underdogs on the road.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're begrudgingly taking Denver. I think Denver. I am begrudgingly taking Denver at home. I think that their defense is going to be good enough. And I feel like if Melvin Gordon is given the opportunity, he really will help this offense. So it makes no sense why they managed him the way they did last week. So that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, um... I don't like doing this, but I am going to pick, I'm going
0: to take the jets on this one, uh, division rival with the Patriots, obviously, but I just don't believe in this Broncos offense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Texans at the Raiders, uh, Damian Pierce, obviously Texans coming off of a week six bye, but Damian Pierce coming off a 20.3 fantasy point performance back in week five, including 26 carries, uh, Pierce is a solid RB2 with upside moving forward. If this workload sustains, uh, there's no really indication that Rex Burkhead is going to be involved uh, like he was early in the year anymore. Uh, So good signs for Pierce there. Moving forward to the pass catchers. I've got kind of an interesting, like we should have done a blind resume with these guys. Um, But with Brandon Cooks, he has scored single digits in three of five games uh, played this season, averaging 10.7 points per game overall. Uh, Vegas struggles defending against the pass thus far, ranking 24th in passing yards allowed per game. Is Cooks still flex worthy coming off a bye?
1: I think just because of the opportunity and volume, I still have faith in him. Um, you know, averaging 10.7 fantasy points, as you see right here, is not great at all. But as you've said, it's a good matchup. And I think that you drafted Cooks because. He is clearly the wide receiver one in this offense. Now, it's not a great offense, but I think that he still should be in consideration for making your starting lineup just because of that. And, you know, there's only so many games where we can talk like this and he doesn't perform to where you're fighting and you're like, okay, I can't trust him. But maybe it's because I don't actually manage him, so I'm not constantly worried about this decision, but I feel like you (laughs) can still flex him.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the the, the split of more single-digit games than double-digit kind of gives me the edge of saying uh, with Cooks, you can look elsewhere for a flex. Um, I I wouldn't like be shocked and like say what are you doing not starting uh, Cooks at your flex this week, but um, just based on how he has performed, but he does have a pretty safe floor, um, just not much of a ceiling guy, and hasn't really shown it so far this season. Um, on the other hand, Nico Collins has scored 10-plus fantasy points in back-to-back weeks, uh, going back to weeks five and four, obviously. Uh, averaging 80% of the snaps in that two-game stretch. Is Collins flex-worthy coming off a bye?
1: <sighs> See, that's what's so weird. Kind of the same That's argument. what's so weird. It's like, why but is he the one that's him? finding more consistency? <sighs> you know... I think I would probably have a different opinion if I had Brandon cooks on my team. I'm not really thinking about this Texans mm-hmm. offense a whole lot, but you talked about Nico Collins weeks ago was a good ad and that obviously has paid off, but it's hard to find a reason as to why it's not cooks. That's doing finding consistency, whereas it is Collins. So again, it has to do with your depth if you if you want to trust those stats or you want to trust that player that's what's up to you on deciding cooks or collins respectively on who's on your team but <laughs> yeah i'm not giving a you very lot of fence sitting it answer it is <laughs> it is because it's it's a bad offense with you you'd assume that someone has to emerge at least one person out of the pass catchers and it's not the one mm-hmm. you expect so it's it's hard to like definitively and adamantly champion either one of those players but it's got to be someone yeah. So I'll, I'll say this, in, in deeper
0: leagues, I think Nico Collins is flex-worthy, um, and I'm also saying that, you know, maybe in more standard 10-team or 12-team leagues, you can possibly do better than Cooks. So that's kind of how I, how I view the situation. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the, the Raiders now. Josh Jacobs is the RB7 on the season, despite being on a bye last week. Wow. Uh, five catches in each of the past three games, averaging just over 20 carries per game in that span as well. So he is getting very good volume. This is someone that we were kind of thinking, wow, is he even going to have a role on this team when he was playing in the Hall of Fame game <laughs> in the preseason? Um, but this usage makes Jacobs a must-start. Um Moving on to the pass catchers, Devonte Adams is unlikely to be disciplined by the NFL until after the legal process for his misdemeanor oh, yeah. assault concludes. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a big story heading into the it bye was. week, but and then the bye week. Happened. <laughs> um, his court date is set for November 10th, so no need for panic in the immediate future. Um, although that, you know, potential suspension, potential, you know, if it if it's just a fine based on, you know what his uh his conduct was on the field that day if that is the result then that does not affect the fantasy managers but if he does face a you know one probably just a one game suspension yeah. if i had to just if i had to just make a guess um but yeah that's something to consider as that date approaches uh, but moving on to Darren Waller, need to monitor his status. He's got a lingering hamstring injury, and, you know, that's been a theme. We'll talk about that in the next preview. Um, but it has kept him off the field for most of the past two games, and that's that's concerning, to say the least, if you drafted Darren Waller. So monitor that as we move forward. Uh, let's pick this game. I think we're both probably, obviously, picking the Raiders in this yeah. one. They are seven-point favorites at home. They have a surprisingly... Uh,
1: bad record for i think the team that they are
0: yeah i would agree with that i think that um they honestly deserve to have their record uh with denver uh swapped although (laughs) no you know that's just not how things work yeah but um let's go ahead and move on to the next one this is the seattle seahawks at the la chargers Uh, Ken Walker definitely rose to the occasion. When asked to handle the lead running back duties in week six, he logged 21 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown, while also catching two of his three targets for 13 yards. That's all good usage there. He is an RB2, much like Damian Pierce, with upside moving forward. Uh, Poor performances through the air affected Metcalf and Lockett in significant ways. But this was to be expected. We talked about this in the preseason, that yeah. at times, this season with Geno Smith at quarterback, these guys were going to let you down on occasion. Um, so I'll ask you, do you expect a bounce-back week for Geno and his pass catchers this week or more of a repeat of week six?
1: It's difficult because it seemed like we had turned a corner going into last week of Geno being able to provide for uh, fancy pass catchers in Metcalf and Lockett because, you know... What a performance like this last week is kind of what was more expected, as you said. So, I would say I expect him to bounce back, but I feel mm-hmm. like I think you got to be cautious. But you're probably still able to start Metcalf and lockett especially Metcalf. Um, I would say, but and what about starting gino I don't think I I wouldn't be starting gino I know that if you have you know Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, that maybe he could be an option, and maybe in that. I guess in that. You know that case. he's QB7? Yes, and it's surprising. <laughs> that's, I, I know I talked about him last week being super high. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, no, I'll, I'll, that's the distinction I'll make. I, I don't really feel super great okay. about starting Geno, but I think you can still feel pretty good about Metcalf and Lockett.
0: Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah.
1: Um, I think this
0: game kind of has sneaky shootout potential. Um, we've seen it from Seattle yeah. in the past, although last week is a very poor example of that yeah. <laughs> um, against Arizona. But uh, moving on to the Chargers here, Austin Eckler logged a monster PPR stat line versus the the Broncos, catching 10 of 16 targets for 47 yards while also finding the end zone once on the ground off 14 carries for 36 yards. He has six touchdowns in the last three games, six touchdowns. That makes six touchdowns in six games played. Um, So he's kind of back on pace for, you know, something that we were talking about, him facing regression this season. It's not really working out that way uh, after the last three. Mm -hmm. Um, Eckler is the RB1, and his passing game usage will keep his floor high, so no complaints there. You're going to keep rolling him as long as he is healthy and on the field. Uh, Someone who has stayed healthy and on the field, but has been inconsistent is Mike Williams. He was the recipient of the Pat Sertan shadow coverage treatment in week six, only catching two of his six targets for 17 yards. And to be honest with you, Carson, I think that we'll both agree with this. This is more indicative of Sertan's talent. Sertan's talent as a young DB in this league. Rather than Williams' struggles, as we know, he has boom-bust potential every week.
1: Yeah, Williams has been super consistent, especially in the absence of he and Allen, which I can't (laughs) wait to talk about him next with his injury designation. Um, but yeah, I think Pat Sertan is legit. So yeah, I think that's his more of, as you said, props to him uh, more than anything else. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> Agreed there. Uh, moving forward, continue monitoring Keenan Allen. This has been uh, a very, very long stretch. Yeah, this injury occurred in week one, if you can believe it or not, a hamstring <laughs> strain. Um, as we know, he has been day to day for weeks now. And, I'll ask you this because I think it's a little interesting. Are you considering trading Allen if you've held him this thus far?
1: <sighs> like someone wants Allen from you. Like give
0: it, give give someone else the problem. Yes. Like, are you like if someone made an offer for Keenan Allen and and I'll I'll expand on this. If they did, what what what. Value does alan demand in return
1: i feel like but
0: first but first but first answer the question of are you considering trading alan if
1: you've held yeah him? i think you can um if you're nervous about you know this potentially being his age that is kind of slowing down this process and that he's not going to get back to his his heights then i think now is the time to trade him because you're getting him at a value where people are like oh he's back he'll be good for the rest of the season probably Um, And I think that his value probably demands like a wide receiver two. It's probably where you drafted him. And I think that people are still going to believe in this offense. Still probably will believe that he's going to be the more consistent one between him and Mike Williams. And I think that...
0: I think for a lot of people, Allen was their first wide receiver drafted. Um, Potentially. Potentially. Where where he was
1: going in drafts. Potentially, if you went heavy on running back. But he definitely was in that range where he could have been either wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Um, you're absolutely right. So I think wide receiver two value is definitely fair. And I think that if someone has survived without Allen this long and they're not confident on him being reliable, uh, health wise, then I think, yeah.
0: Well, I think it's, I think it's actually from the perspective of you can't afford to keep him any longer. Um, there's a, there's a team in our league that has him that's, you know, near the bottom of the standings that's been holding on to Keenan Allen. And I reached out to them asking if they would be interested in trading him and they're like well i think i gotta hold on to him and i thought that was interesting uh so i wanted to get your thoughts on
1: that yeah i mean i think that's that is a fair perspective if you've waited this long and you don't and you aren't worried about him um i guess that's what that's what it is if you're worried about him i think now is the time to trade him because players or other managers will be like he'll be good but if you aren't worried about him you're probably like no just let me have him let me have him please (laughs) so yeah Yeah, which if he plays this week it'll be
0: great but then week eight he's on a bye so oh uh, you will you will you will be without him very soon again Wow. uh we're both picking the chargers to win this one six point favorites at home over the seahawks yep all right let's talk about chiefs 49ers next Uh, Another bad game for CEH, only nine carries for 33 yards. He had zero targets in this game. Uh, The usage has mostly stayed the same, but the touchdowns have gone away. And uh, you can't really expect much better at San Francisco. It's a tough matchup. Um, And then I'll just ask you kind of a general question. Any meaningful takeaways for the KC pass catchers in this game? Obviously, Travis Kelsey is still amazing. Uh, But we saw a good performance out of Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, So what are your thoughts
1: there? Yeah, I'm looking at these stats right now. I think that it's reassuring to see Juju kind of take on that wide receiver one role. But again, it is Travis Kelsey and kind of everyone else. If Juju can find consistency, because this is the first game he's really boomed and only the third time out of the six that he's had double digits, you like that. But I really don't think you can roster it. That might be bold. I I, I don't think you need a roster. Marcus Velda scantling who 82% of snaps, three targets, zero catches, Michael Hardman, there's no reason to roster him in my eyes. Sky Moore, if you still believe in him being a rookie, but I think he's not going to do anything this season. So I think it's Juju, Kelsey, I, yeah. those are the pass catchers, and you got to hope that Juju can find consistency, and if you are, have Kelsey, you're very happy.
0: And I think it's interesting, too, because uh, from someone who was at the game, you saw that MVS had what was almost a touchdown called back due to holding. Mm. Um it kind of would have changed his outlook moving forward, but I think you're mostly right. I mean, and this is something we talked about in preseason, that uh, Juju was going to be the the most obvious choice outside of Travis Kelsey uh, to take on a role in the passing game. I mean, you know, we talked about how MVS spent his entire career playing with Aaron Rodgers, who uh, b- prior to this season was not a bad quarterback, um, so it wasn't really a fair argument to say, yeah, but now he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, The the truth is that he really just hasn't stepped up in any capacity in his career. Uh, Nothing has changed in that regard uh, on his stint in KC so far. So, yeah, I I mean, I think you're on the right path there. I think Juju, if he can find consistency will be a a valuable asset on your team. Um, And outside of that, it's kind of more of a risky flex play. Um, so I agree with that. Yeah. Moving on to the 49ers here, Jeff Wilson really underperformed yeah. in what should have been a great what? opportunity against Atlanta. What was that? Point <laughs> five fantasy points. He had, well, they were down early. Yeah. Um, seven carries for 25 yards and a fumble lost. Uh, where does Wilson rank for you this week uh, as a running back two, a flex, or a bench?
1: I mean, he's a flex at best. I think that Mm -hmm. you can still probably play him and hope that this was a blip because his usage had been so good, and this is usually a running offense, but for whatever this week, there were a lot of valuable pass catchers to have, so I think that, and like you said, it's because they were down early, I expect this defense to keep them in games to where running the ball uh, will be reliable, and I think that Wilson still should make your lineup, but yeah, that scares you, and I think that knocks him down to a flex, if not that that matters too much because he's still in your lineup, but... Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that I think it has a lot to do about the game rather than uh his prospects as for his role going forward in the offense. And I mean Elijah Mitchell is still weeks away, right? So I mean they're they still got to be running with yeah. Wilson as their main guy. That's a fair point, but I feel like also that the Chiefs offense,
0: you know, is one of the most explosive in the NFL true. and so uh, what what do you believe in more Patrick Mahomes in that offense or the 49ers defense to keep
1: them close well i think that that's fair i mean how what what happened if the falcons game how how much did they go down early i don't remember how it panned 14. out okay so they went down yeah i mean it's not impossible that the chiefs just because they are a good offense make that happen um but i think if you mm-hmm. if you think you're starting to overthink it a little too much if you're really trying to predict game script too heavily so i would Mm -hmm. say that i mean he's had a very very valuable role to have so i think after one week you can't just completely say oh i'm not starting him if he does it again this week then you gotta be worried about who they're playing against yeah Um, but that that 0.5 fantasy points really stings yeah i was like is the game over when i looked at it (laughs) yeah it was bad
0: yeah um Yeah, moving on to the pass catchers like you referenced, um, they had some pretty big weeks here. Brandon Ayuk went off in week six, catching eight of 11 targets for 83 yards and two touchdowns. Um, And I'll just ask you straight up, is it time to sell high?
1: I think that's a good opportunity to sell high. I mean, we got Garoppolo will be the quarterback the rest of the season. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Ayuk found some consistency in the latter half with Jimmy G last season. But at the end of the day, he kind of fell behind Debo and uh, and Kittle, you'll talk about at times yeah. next. And yep. like I said, I mean, this really is a rushing offense, whether it's through whoever the running back is or Debo Samuel. So, yeah, I think yeah. sell highs would be a smart thing to do. But you have gotta feel good if you well, have. Well, and I think
0: it's, I think it's been a good sign to see that Debo's rushing volume has been significantly lower yes. than where we saw it at last year. Yeah. Um, only two carries in this in this previous game. Um, but on to George Kittle. He had his best game of the season by far, catching 8 of 10 targets for 83 yards. Got you 16.3 fantasy points. You'd love to see that. Um, If you've been starting Kittle through his struggles, you're thrilled to get a game like this. Um, But if you've added a usable replacement off of waivers, is this past performance enough incentive to trade Kittle away and ride with the replacement tight end moving
1: forward? I think it depends on the rest of your lineup, because you're only realistically going to start one of those tight ends, I presume and if you're needing depth somewhere yes. else or another <laughs> starter i mean it's possible you could play them both uh, one in the flex but not likely i wouldn't
0: i wouldn't advise that no we, 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 we talk all the time about tight ends being terrible well, so i'm just
1: saying if you have this I- backup tight end that's emerged and i can't even think of a good example and kittle potentially looking like kittle it's not impossible yeah if you, sure There's yeah. on a bye this week <laughs> fair enough okay so uh, i think i believe okay. in kittle. either way i believe in kittle i think this is a good sign mm-hmm. that he's when he gets into this consistency you know what type of player he could be but if you have that reliable tight end behind him which can also be equally hard to find and you need depth somewhere else then yeah i would pawn off kittle um but i think that if you're worried about starting kittle going forward personally i think you got to feel better now okay so not to
0: get too hung up on the idea but like if you roster david and and george kittle are you comfortable
1: moving from kittle what worries, about, what worries me about Njoku is that he's kind of... Week 3 was big, and then week 4, 5, and 6 is like, eh. So, to lose Kittle, yeah, if he's potentially not... having the inverse uh, mm-hmm. scenario... Mm-hmm. That would make me a little bit nervous. I... I it, so, you're leaning more towards keeping him? I would lean more towards keeping him, unless you really are forced to start a player at a position be, that you don't want to, because of depth, somewhere else on the team. Mm-hmm. So... It's okay, relative to your roster, but I feel good about Kittle.
0: Okay, understood. Yeah. Um, we're both picking the Chiefs to win this one on the road. Two and a half point favorites for them. Um, I yeah. don't think that uh, I don't think the 49ers defense is going to be able to keep up. Yeah,
1: close loss last week against the Bills. I expect them to maybe come back with some vengeance <laughs> in this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, agreed.
1: Uh, moving on to Sunday
0: night football. This is a you know kind of a underwhelming primetime event yeah. here. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was forced back into action. Sorry, I don't even think I said the matchup. Steelers at Dolphins. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky was forced back into game action after Kenny Pickett left with a concussion. Uh, the new concussion protocols make it difficult for players to be cleared in time for the upcoming week's matchup. That is not a critique, um, but it is important for fantasy managers to kind of adjust accordingly because that is a new development. Um, they've, they've tightened up on those... Protocols based on what happened to Tua earlier this year.
1: Yeah, and as you've said, that's that's Uh, good, but uh, yeah, difficult. Yeah, no, it is. It's a good.
0: It's a good. It's good for player safety and health, um, and it is a little bit more challenging for fantasy managers. So it's important to know that. Yeah. Knowing what we saw from Pittsburgh prior to Pickett's takeover of the role, not much really changes regarding the outlook of uh, skill position players. You're still starting Deontay Johnson, who's averaging nine and a half targets per game. Oh, um, boy. George Pickens and George Pickens and Chase Claypool are flex considerations depending on your league size, um, and Najee Harris remains a low end RB two with upside. Although it's been uh, Difficult to watch him so far this year. It, let me jump in, in real quick. I, I did see yeah, that absolutely. again.
1: You're not excited about Najee, especially if you draft him in the first round. But he did clearly hold off Jalen Warren. So what we were talking about last week seems to not really be an issue with the usage of Najee. So that is definitely positive. yes yeah, and I and I talked about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you feel better about that, and yeah, you can continue on. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: last thing I was going to say was just monitor Pat Frymuth's status. Um, also in the concussion protocol that held him out last week. Uh, he was a serviceable tight end prior to injury. So if he's playing, I think you can I think you can probably plug him back into your lineup assuming that you uh, don't have a you know really good starter option that you're more comfortable with. Okay, moving forward. I agree uh, with the dolphins. <laughs> cool uh moving forward with the dolphins here teddy bridgewater returned to action following another miami quarterback injury forcing skylar thompson with a thumb injury out early uh tua has been named the starter so we're rooting for him to stay healthy and pick things up where he left off earlier this season
1: hey i'm no neurologist if that's the proper doctor for this for dealing with concussions but i'm still a little surprised that he's just back like that i mean i back in the day had a minor concussion and i feel like what has been two or three weeks since he's been out uh i would say his yeah. concussion was fairly worse than mine and to think that he's already back and could potentially you know be taking hits again and uh, that uh, it's yeah that makes me nervous but i hope he'll be okay
0: i think that's i, I mean i think that's kind of interesting i Again, like, yeah, I don't,
1: I'm, I'm no medical professional, so I don't know what the, the norms are, but it's just, you know, we were worried yeah, about it's been its movement in the extremities three just a few weeks. weeks ago. It's just crazy.
0: Well, it's been over three weeks. I, I get where you're coming from on one perspective, but if he's cleared the protocol and he is showing all signs of being healthy. I don't I don't necessarily think it's too soon for him. I mean, wh- wh- how long do you want him to hold out again, for? Yeah, again, yeah, I can't make that
1: judgment. I'm just thinking about it. Right. Yeah. So, I hope it's fine. That's all I can say. Okay. Well, I mean, uh,
0: like I said, we're rooting for him to stay healthy for sure. And uh, and pick things up where he left off. Yeah. So, uh, with his pass catchers, Tyreek Hill has remained uh, Efficient and usable by a very <laughs> strong margin. He is the wide receiver three and continues to dominate, uh, putting up num- putting up numbers no matter who's in at QB. Jalen Waddle, on the other hand, finally bounced back after two consecutive sub six point fantasy weeks. Sixteen point nine in week six. He had six catches on ten targets for one hundred twenty nine yards. Did lose a fumble. That's unfortunate. Um, but I think you know. Both of those guys, no no doubt starters. Uh, On to the running backs, however. How do you rank Raheem Mostert this week? Is he an RB2, a flex, or a bench for you?
1: Let me remind myself of these stats again. Yeah. Um, I. Th- oh, it's difficult. I don't know how much I trust it, especially with... I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this offense. I mean, I do think that for the long run, Mostert is... The running back to have but Edmonds had his value when Tua was there but so it's just to see Mostert so let me just say Mostert yes is the one I think <laughs> is going to continue assuming he's healthy to be the running back to have okay but he's had most is of he his a best flex? Is he a that's my point he's had most of his best performances without Tua whenever they actually were running the ball a lot more so I think that flex at best but I wouldn't blame you for being cautious and not starting him this week when they could potentially be back to throwing the ball much more than rushing the ball
0: okay i think that's completely reasonable yeah. um let's pick this game the dolphins are seven point favorites i think we're both going that direction yeah
1: i think so um assuming that tua is just yeah, back 100 playing like
0: well and especially if Mitch Trubisky is in at quarterback we've already seen how yeah. how ineffective they've been under him so yeah. i think yeah this one's kind of obvious um, Monday night football. Right, we're on to the, we're on to the main event. Yep. Okay, Bears at Patriots. Um, eight point underdogs are the Bears on this one. Uh, Justin Fields completed fourteen of twenty seven passes for one hundred ninety yards and a touchdown. Also threw an interception. Uh, all the way back in on Thursday night football wow. in week six, uh, a season high carry, a season high of twelve carries for eighty eight yards. You like that? Yeah. Um, If the passing volume sustains and Fields continues to put up numbers with his legs, he will re-enter conversations as a streaming option at quarterback. However, at New England is not the week to start Fields in fantasy. Um, And we've talked about this on a few different occasions, uh, such as Jared Goff in Week 5 and... Uh, you weren't you weren't starting Jacoby Brissett, so yeah, that's not really a conversation. But New England has allowed 15 points total to opposing offenses <laughs> over the last two weeks. Uh, they're looking like a they're looking like a defensive juggernaut out here, and. Uh, Are there any Chicago players you're still starting and or flexing on Monday night football? Uh,
1: What is going on with the running back situation? Um, Because that's probably the only, I'm pulling that up right now to remind myself because I didn't really.
0: Yeah. So there's reports indicating obviously David Montgomery got most of the touches, um, but Khalil Herbert did break a long run. I think it was 64 yarder for a touchdown. So he pretty much uh, cut one direction and then uh, returned the other way um ran a lot longer than 64 yards on that play we'll just say it that way yeah but um yeah it was david montgomery handling the majority of the workload um and then of course the head coach has indicated that they're uh considering a hot hand approach at running back so that does kind of (laughs) that kind of throws everything into but is that enough to make you uh, bench david montgomery I don't know. Is it? Because based on how New England is playing defense yeah. and this this offense what? I don't know. Can you <laughs> they probably, have a you they can have, probably bench him?
1: They have a legit defense, no doubt. But that just that doesn't mean you can't start anyone. Um but yeah, I mean that's not a good
0: I, Hey, I Carson, the reason I ask is because New England's playing fantastic defense and the Bears are not a good offense. They put up seven points last week. That is true. That is true. Yeah. So it it's really all about defense yeah it's all about well it's all about how much risk you're willing to take on that's true with the comments about the running back situation being a
1: hot hand approach that does hurt uh, his you know potential he's been looked at as having like a high floor and that's why you would start him so if that hurts that and a right matchup i get i get what you're saying so yeah maybe not maybe maybe not maybe not any the trouble Chicago is players. it's monday
0: night football so you're either gonna have to yeah bite the bullet and one way or the other
1: yeah Ugh! All right. So, Some of these players that we're talking about, I'm very happy I don't roster. How about that? <laughs>
0: okay. So, so just who? Okay. Are you flexing, David Montgomery? I'm putting
1: you on the hot seat. Again, it obviously depends on your team. I think that you can. I think I think that you can. Okay. Okay. Um, I think me, it might be a, a little bold. Sorry, I just think it's a little bold, depending on your running back depth, to so just. Bencha because of the matchup and what you know they're saying about how they're going to use their running backs, which always. What part of that is bold to you? I don't want to get too hung up on this, but I'm just interested where you're (sighs) going. I just think because he's been a pretty consistent option. I mean, fit. He's had two double-digit scores. He had week three... Okay, let's just go... Let's go down the line. Eight points in week one. Okay. 15.6 week two. Week three got injured, 1.1. Week four was out. Week mm-hmm. five came back, 18.2. Week six had nine. Mm. He's been close to yeah. double digits every single week.
0: Yeah, so so he's a flex. Sure. Yes. And then given the matchup, does that change anything?
1: You're saying no. <sighs> I, I just don't think that you can't trust anyone against a good defense i think that we're okay <sighs> we'll see we'll see <laughs> yes we will see yeah. I and mean, i'm
0: not i'm not trying to convince you one way or the other no i know to to answer the question. it's
1: just difficult because it's a team that has been playing amazing defense as of late
0: yeah going up against a bad offense so it kind of all it all kind of combines but um, well, I'm just, like, let's go ahead
1: and move on. Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Move on. We don't need okay. to talk about that anymore. <laughs> so
0: coming to a prime time game near you, the pursuit of zappiness. How do you like that one? I like that. Uh, possibly continuing in week seven. We do need to monitor Mac Jones' ankle injury status. Uh, but either way, I like New England's chances at home. Uh, and then moving on to other players here, Ramondre Stevenson is RB9 on the season. Yep. He continues to be a must-start as long as Damian Harris is inactive. We expect him to be inactive this week. Um, and then I want to ask you a quick little noise news or noise. Taekwon Thornton played a jack-of-all-trades role for New England <laughs> in his second game as a pro, four catches on five targets for 37 yards and a touchdown, also found the end zone through the ground Uh, on three carries for 16 yards. Played 57% of the snaps. So, I'll ask you, news or noise for the second round rookie
1: wide receiver? I think Jack of all trades for an unknown... Well, he's a rookie. For a player that doesn't have a, a lot going behind them fundamentally for stats I mean like they don't have a big foundation of doing having a role like this like a Debo if you saw a stat line like this for Debo you'd be like oh good game for Debo but any other type of player pretty much anyone else you're kind of like noise because you don't see that jack of all trades designation and think that's going to be reliable I mean he was drafted because he was like the fastest wide receiver (laughs) in the in the combine Mm -hmm. that was a big thing for him so obviously they're wanting to get him involved however they can but this offense isn't good enough for me to want to use this this gadget.
0: Mm, okay, so I view it as a good speculative ad, um, depending on the depth of your league, of course. Um, the deeper, the better. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's interesting because he did miss the first four weeks of the season with uh, I believe a collarbone injury, um, if that's correct. I'm not sure, but. Um, Yeah, missed the first four weeks with injury, and only his second game as a pro, them using him in a variety of ways I think is intriguing. And so I'm not advocating for starting him this week, but I think he is a good speculative ad, um, something that could develop more as the season goes on and uh that's kind of how i view it yeah i mean if someone's uh, sitting at
1: the bottom of your bench not doing a whole lot of course go for a guy that they're trying to get involved i just think it's not going to amount to any sort of consistency personally but i see where you're coming from
0: yeah okay so picking this game obviously i'm choosing the patriots to win this one yeah Um, and i think you're not going to be so bold to go against me on that one no uh so that wraps things up anything you want to add before we uh do the outro
1: you had a lot of difficult questions for me about gross players about should you start them or not so i'm <laughs> sorry for a lot of fence sitting I, it's difficult no it's good well, questions or they're, they're good questions because there's my, stuff that people are doing. with my intention
0: my intention right it's that people are finding themselves in tough positions with these players and i want to put out the idea that hey this person is a lock it in like uh position two, like you know fill in the blank yeah. uh, or a flex or a bench like these are all considerations that managers are making across the across the leagues that are being played so um, just know with yeah, anything it, we
1: it's, say it's and i pretty much say this every single time it's always relative to your other options so keep that in mind and hopefully pick the right one <laughs> okay well
0: next week maybe it can be a goal for you throw some tough ones my way okay and uh we'll see how i handle it yeah because i just feel gross sometimes sorry but go ahead yeah (laughs) okay thank you for watching and or listening um this has been an awesome experience we are officially one year and one week in the books on this podcast hope you're enjoying it as much as we are and uh, we'll see you again soon yeah thank you and peace out everybody